0: welcome to the second episode in our three-part MS Path to Care wellness podcast series brought to you by Can Do MS and Sanofi Genzyme. If you haven't listened to the first part of this series yet, please go back and check out the last episode. MS Path to Care resources encourage those living with MS to work with their support partners and care teams to address all aspects of MS care and wellness. Each of these podcasts will focus on different dimensions of wellness through the eyes of a couple who has lived with MS for over 30 years, Myra and Steve Lazonic of Elkhorn, Nebraska. In this episode, Myra and Steve will discuss their experiences with diet, exercise, and healthy behaviors with physical therapist Mandy you.
1: everyone. We're glad you're joining us for the podcast about diet, exercise, and healthy behaviors. I'm so pleased that Myra and Steve are with us today to talk about these topics. So Myra and Steve, when you think about healthy behaviors,
2: what does that mean to you? Myra, let's go ahead and have you start. Well, of course, uh, diet, exercise, exercise, Keeping mentally healthy is probably the biggest part of it because that helps you have a positive attitude and a little bit more resiliency. Um, Everything's kind of tied together to that mental attitude that you have. But uh, obviously, diet and exercise, too, are very important.
1: Great. What about you, Steve?
3: Well, I have to agree, Uh, active physically, Mm -hmm. mentally and socially being active with friends and neighbors, uh, going out, doing things, having people around that you can visit with so your world isn't closed in on you. But also I was thinking about this, healthy behavior for us is ensuring you have your cane, your AFO, walker, scooter, anything we need, plus the medications that are used for the MS. Sure. That's
1: a good point to make sure you have all of the tools that you need to set you up for success so for you it certainly sounds like being healthy comes with a very holistic perspective steve have your priorities with diet and exercise changed over the years you guys have lived with ms for a long time Yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: yeah we've lived with it for a long time Prior to being married, uh, you know, I was a typical single guy grabbing a meal where you can get it. I uh, weren't too concerned about what I was eating and how much I was eating. Uh, I was active playing softball, uh, doing other activities, bowling, uh, swimming, going out on canoe trips with friends. Then as you get married, actually as you're working in your work world, starts to become more important or takes more time. Uh, you let things go. You're inconsistent on how you can exercise. Uh, You're not maybe getting meals at a timely manner and of a good quality food. Uh, Then after retirement, things changed. Being around the house and doing things here with Myra, I realized how much things have changed, how important it is that I maintain a good lifestyle in order to support her. So what I've done is taken up swimming. I swim three to four times a week play pickleball when I can. And we've also looked at our diet, trying not to eat uh, too much food, make sure we're getting a balance of vegetables, fruits and whole grains and things like that.
1: So you mentioned that getting married was a catalyst for changing some of your priorities and health habits. Mm-hmm. were there other shifts in your life that made you look at diet and exercise differently?
3: Yeah, with age, uh, the body starts slowing down and it's easier to put on weight. Uh, you get those aches and pains uh, throughout our married life. We, we've done a lot of things together. We do a lot of gardening and, and things like that. And there are always those aches and pains uh, that night, the next day after spending a day in the yard. But again, as I aged, as people age, you realize it's a, a finite time frame for the body. And if you want to go all out and do everything you can possibly do, you possibly could use up that body uh, before it's time. Uh, and so I guess for me, I looked at it that, you know, this is a partnership. I need to be here and support Amira. And that if I don't take care of the, the physical being, I won't be here long enough to do the things that I need to do to help ensure she has a good life.
2: Myra, have have your priorities changed over the years? Well, uh, again, like I mentioned before, I think with age, you do need to have a healthier lifestyle. But I never really liked prepackaged meals and things like that. And I like to cook. And so I always we, we ate together uh, almost every night, really, when when our daughter was young and when she was at home. And so, you know, we go out to eat sometimes now, but I still try not to buy prepackaged food. But I think with MS too, it requires a little bit more planning for the meals at least. So we we try to uh, make out a a meal plan for the week and then Steve will go buy the groceries for those plans and and then we work on it together because, well, for me, grocery shopping now is really fatiguing and so um, we just try to go once a week after I make that plan out for him. But we still try to eat together at home quite a bit and I think that that helps. But there are nights when, um, in fact, a couple days ago, I was right in the middle of making dinner and like the fatigue just was overwhelming. And I said, I've got to go sit down. You need to finish this meal. And so I think that those are the considerations now with the meal planning. It's not even so much the food, although we try to eat a balanced meal, but it's, it's working around how I'm feeling when, when we are making meals.
1: So it sounds like you guys have a plan. You always have a plan in place for your meals, Mm -hmm. but you also have to remain flexible. Right. Because at any moment, symptoms can arise and you have to to figure out a way to manage it. Mm -hmm. And over the years, you've developed strategies to make that
2: work. Myra, has your perspective on exercise changed over the years? It has somewhat. I wasn't super, super active, but I did play tennis when I was younger and was on the league and, and those kinds of things. But I wouldn't call it like an everyday go-to-the-gym kind of exercise. I, I really didn't have time. I was a teacher, and um, I'd come home, and I was just too tired to, and had other things to do, so I didn't tend to exercise so much. So I feel like it has changed a lot. Um, now that I'm retired, I have more time to go work out, and I found a gym that is uh, for people with MS. I've been going there for seven years, and so it's great because the, uh, the workout is tailored toward what I can do that day and it's not like everybody has to do the same thing and so uh, I think that I do realize now how important exercise is for the health of my MS really because if if I don't go or if we're on vacation and I don't work out I can really tell a difference you know and so now where I go pretty consistently with three times a week um, it's an hour class there are four sets in each of the eight stations that we do. And, you know, it just makes a big difference. I hate to think what I would be like if I didn't go. And so I think that exercise has become a lot more important to my lifestyle. So it sounds like you both have shifted over
1: the years to reprioritize exercise for yourselves, but also for each other, right? Like you respect that time and make certain that that time is is reserved. Mm -hmm. So how did you go about that? How did you go about making diet and exercise a priority in your busy, busy lives?
2: Well, for me personally, I've always been a list maker. And so if I have something on a list, I really feel compelled to, to do it that day. And so I've added exercise onto that list and I make sure that I go. I make sure that I have that time carved out of my day to, to do that. And even so much as like going on a walk, you know, like sometimes Steve will say, well, do you want to go on a walk? Well, he's throwing it at me at the last minute and I might not want to go. But if I think about it earlier in the day, oh, this is going to be a really nice day. Let's go for a walk this evening. I tend to have, I need to have that like schedule a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to have things kind of scheduled out. I've been a, always like that a little bit, but it's really like that now. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, if if to, this morning I think, oh, well, I think I will go on a walk. And then at seven o'clock when we think we're go, it's like 95 degrees out. I was like, well, I'm not going to go then. Right. So
1: it allows you to kind of organize your, your day around day that priority.
2: Thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like to know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Steve? How do you make diet and exercise a priority and how do you support each other with that?
3: Well, again, uh, I'm fortunate that she has a schedule and I can just tag onto that schedule. <laughs> and, uh <laughs> Uh, do my thing. I don't go to her gym. I I go to the Y and other pools to swim when she's at the gym. But as as Meyer said, the schedule is important for her to have her day organized. And for me, just to pop in and say, let's go for a walk doesn't necessarily work. So I've realized that I can't twist arms and make her do what might not be the best thing to do that day or at that moment. Mm -hmm. So I keep an open schedule. I'll make a suggestion that we think about doing this as her day goes on, uh, and she realizes she can do it, we do it. Uh, The thing with MS is that her condition sets the pace of what we're gonna do, be it cleaning, be it gardening, exercising, going to a movie, going out to dinner. If uh, things aren't working correctly that day, we just have a backup plan and do things uh, that would fit in with what she can get accomplished. It doesn't do us any good to plan to work in the garden, let's say all day long and physically drain her where she can't function for the next two days. So having an alternate plan, being able to adjust our plan or cut it short and get done what we can do is more important.
2: Well, I think too, doing it in the beginning of the day for me, you know, like especially gardening or anything kind of more physical like that. And I need it's cooler in that part of the day. And so if I'm going to go do that, it'll probably be at the beginning part of the day versus later in the day. Like if we're going to go to, let's say, a, a concert, an outdoor concert in the summertime, I'm going to take my scooter along. And so then I'm not expanding a lot of energy to, to do that activity. It sounds like you always have a plan,
1: but you have flexibility in your plan. So you're never... Limiting yourself to doing things you want to do. You just have a a menu of options. Yeah, and when you do them might vary slightly. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. So for people who are struggling to get motivated to exercise Which is certainly common among people living with MSN and support partners? What kind of advice would you give? Myra,
2: let's let's start with you. How what would you advise for those folks who are struggling? Well, I think for one thing, if you don't decide yourself that you want to do this, then it's just not going to happen. And so, if you can find a group that you can work out with, or uh, even a friend that you can ha- come have come over to your home and maybe do it with you, do a telefitness kind of a, a thing. They have tons of those online. That would be a way to help you get stay motivated. But for me personally. When I go to the gym, there there are all the other people that are like me. And so we share ideas. Sometimes it's just a recipe. But, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, what did your doctor say when you went there this this year or, you know, what kind of medicine are you taking? What how is it working for you? So, again, like I said before, I put it in my daily plan. But I do wake up some mornings and I don't want to go. But I think, well, what am I going to feel like if I don't go? And so I make myself go. and, and But I, I like it, too, for the socialization of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably really the key is that if you can find someone to work out with or a group of people to work out with, that helps a lot. Yeah. So Myra's motivated,
1: it sounds like, by that social environment. Mm-hmm. Steve, what about you when it comes to exercise?
3: I think people have to be realistic, be comfortable with what I can do, what you can do. and and give it your best effort. I know for me, swimming came natural. So that was what I picked to do. And that's why I go do that three to four times a week. And I know for me, uh, you know, when I'm not doing something well, I can get down on myself and uh, want to stay away from it. And it helps to have Myra encourage me to continue to try and do things. And I'll use the example as pickleball when I first started playing that. And, uh, you know, she encouraged me keep going, keep trying, and you will get better. And, and she
2: is correct. Uh, well, I think, too, for him, I was encouraging him to play, too, for the socialization of it. Because when you're retired, your, your world comes in just a little bit. You don't have as many um, social contacts. And so I thought, well, I certainly don't want him sit, sitting at home with me all day long. And so... <laughs> that, I mean, well, I mean, there's a, that's a two-way street. Right. I mean, not only because you know it's it's t- nice to have some time to yourself, but also so he doesn't have to sit around looking at me all day. So you know, I've encouraged him to 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 do that because pickleball is more a social than swimming, for sure. Yeah. yeah,
3: swimming you can't talk to too many people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's kind of difficult. But the biggest challenge is taking that first footstep out the door and going and doing. Once you're over that first hurdle, then then things get better.
1: Trying something that maybe is a little out of your comfort zone. Sure, Yeah.
3: sure. Myra, Steve gave
1: us some examples of his exercise. I know you touched on briefly about what you did for exercise. Can you just elaborate
2: a little bit more? At the gym, it's all uh, geared towards um, agility, uh, balance, strength, your ability for motion, stamina. All of those. And so they they the exercises that we do are almost the same as what you would find at any gym, really. But what's nice about it is, is that you just at any gym, you would you would be doing like weight training. So like you might have free weights or rowing machine. Uh, A back machine there's a a machine that's called a wave you can actually just stand on it and it exercises your muscles without you actually even moving a lot of balance actually we do that too and and, um, oh I forgot aerobics Mm -hmm. because um, getting your heart rate up is very very important Mm so all of those exercises are things that you do at a regular gym but why I don't go to a regular gym is that I I don't like to watch all the able-bodied people that can do it so much better than I do where at the gym where I go, you know, we're all in the same boat. And so, you don't feel like you need to compare yourself to anyone, which I have to say, that is some advice I would give. Is if you are going to go to a regular gym and you're, you know, maybe your MS isn't so bad, just don't compare yourself to anyone. Just do your own thing and and be happy with whatever you you're doing
1: so it goes back to what Steve mentioned right having confidence
2: in yourself feeling comfortable in the environment that you're exercising in and even if you're a person that's in a wheelchair I mean I have to say that there are again a lot of teleconferences where they will show you how to exercise in your chair or even if you're not in a chair but you just can't walk well there are still many things you can do in a seated position and can do is a, is a great resource because they have uh, video of, of people exercising yeah. that uh, you can watch and follow along.
1: Yeah. So truly anyone of any ability level can exercise. Absolutely. They really
2: can exercise.
1: So do you guys have some activities that you do together that you enjoy doing together?
3: I'll start out with traveling. We'd like to explore the country, uh, go places that we've never been before. Back before, Myra was uh, so much affected by the MS. Uh, our, our travel plans were pretty much, we did it together. So let's go here, let's go to Disney World, let's say, or let's go to the West Coast, or let's go to New England and do things. Now that uh, MS has been a bigger part of the life, what has happened with our traveling is I'll do a lot of the pre-planning of it. I'll find areas uh, that are handicap accessible, find hotels that will support us and other activities to do, and then bring that to the table and discuss it and let her think about it and see if that makes sense to her. And so uh, it, be, it becomes more of a two-phase operation where I'll do the legwork up front, figure out where we might wanna go, what we might wanna see, do the timeline of where we'll go, when we'll be there and how long we'll stay. And then let her look it over and say, yeah, this looks like a doable thing and fit and that into our schedule.
2: And another thing that we've realized is that long trips for me are hard. And so we try to do about a five day trip is about just right for me. And so even if we're flying somewhere, you know, two of those days are going to be flying. So then we do three three days of fast and hard and do a lot of stuff in those three days. And then I'm wiped when I come home. But it seems like those short trips are more doable for me. Um, we also have a dinner group that we belong to and we go out once a month and then we go over to each other's houses and have something to eat afterward. And and I, I started a bunco group in our neighborhood. And so that helps me be more social. We don't do that together, of course, but the activity or, well, like in the summertime, I guess we go to a lot of concerts, outdoor concerts and things like that. And I mentioned my scooter that I can take and I just sit in it while we listen to the concert. And so I think we, we go out of our way to try to plan things almost once a month. It might be like going to the Omaha Community Playhouse and watching a play, but something special that gets us out of the house. Maybe we're going with friends, maybe not, but it at least get you out of the house. You're doing something.
1: So avoiding isolation yes. and trying to stay active, even when the weather maybe isn't as ideal. Which we're, we all are living in Nebraska, and we're approaching the winter months. Do you guys have any ideas about how to manage inadequate weather?
3: That's the hard part. You know, when I was working, I had the, I'll call it, the luxury of leaving home every day and and getting out and about. So I didn't feel the isolation that she might have been feeling. And it's become a, I don't want to say a challenge. It, it's a task maybe that we have to work through. And right now we're in the planning stage of what we might be doing this coming winter. We've already planned, uh, you know, a trip to see our daughter in Minneapolis and nothing We're going yet. to the
2: beach in February. Oh, that's right. Yeah, to yeah, Turks and Caicos. But that, those are the kind of things that you have to make a, a conscious effort. I mean, even in the wintertime, you can go to the movies. You can still go to see um, shows at the at the you know at your event center in in the city. So I think that it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be outdoors anyway. So so let's talk a little bit more about exercise. Myra, can you tell us a little bit
1: about Um, how you've adapted your exercise and have you used any tools or accommodations or changes
2: to how you approach exercise? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, just to give you a little background, I was diagnosed in 1982. And so I went for almost 20 years with very, very few problems. I mean, I had some exacerbations every now and again that were you know, they give me some medicine. I would get better and, and I would go on about my business. But about 10 years ago, uh, I started noticing uh, my, that my foot was dragging when I'd get warm. And I had been on a mission trip with my daughter's youth group and started noticing that. And of course, at the time, I thought it might be arthritis or something else. I didn't really recognize it as being something with MS. But then as time went along, I uh, I did start to see more problems and then I had what was what is called the MS hug for those of you that don't know what that means it is it feels like a compression vest on your body and you can't breathe and you can't think about anything else it just was really really painful and so then uh, I was recommended to see a PT and I think I saw one or two before I met Mandy and Mandy has this uncanny ability to read my mind and, and understand what MS is doing to me and give me the right kinds of tools for uh, for stretching and exercise. And so that was where I started. And then um, I kept progressing. And we got to the point where, well, I was using a cane at this time. I purchased a cane on my own and was using that. But then uh, Mandy recommended that I see an orthotist that... Um, made an AFO which is a leg brace for the foot drop or drop foot and uh, that as 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 awful as it is to think about wearing it it did open up my world because I had I was able to walk better because of having the AFO on and having a cane too I know I was so hesitant to ever use a cane but once I started using it people all of a sudden realized I had something going on and they would open doors for me where before I was like, I was just walking with my foot dragging. And so once I got the cane, I felt like that kind of opened up a world in itself. And then the AFO that helped a, a ton. But then as time went along, then walking long distances was so, so hard. And so we had been to a five day can do program. There was a guy there that had a scooter. And so we asked him questions. And so I think that that's another very important component is that you have to be inquisitive about different kinds of adaptive equipment that you can have. And there are so many things out there now. I mean, I saw a thing on Facebook yesterday about a guy that stood up for the first time in 14 years with you know a wheelchair that makes him stand and i think how wonderful it is that we now have all of these wonderful adaptive equipment and you have to get over the stigma of what will people think because it's all about your own safety and how self-preservation you know you have to you have to use adaptive equipment to to stay alive so you don't have falls and that was what was happening to me is that i was falling frequently but eventually then we got a scooter we we Got a lift for the car so it was easy to put in and out, so it's not so hard on Steve to put in and out of the car. But all of those adaptations that I've made have now opened our world up because before the scooter, too, I wouldn't go anywhere that required lots of walking. I didn't want to go to Target. I didn't want to go to a store that was a big store. Uh, I didn't want to go anywhere. Once I got that scooter, though, I was in control of it. And that's one of the things I still enjoy about that is that I. I am in control of that scooter and then we go and we go, we do whatever we want to. Sometimes it requires some investigation on Steve's part to figure out if I can take it or do we need, when we go to a concert, do I need handicapped seating, which of course I do. But they just roll it in there and they take a chair away and that there we go. It's always the best seat in the house. So um, there are ways to get around this and, and you just have to get over the stigma of using them. Excellent advice. Steve, how has it felt? knowing that Myra's
1: safer and she's able to do, you do what the both of you want to do together and what she wants to do on her own.
3: It, it takes a load off you. It really does emotionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to worry, but the key is don't accept what you have today as being the uh, end all of everything. There, There's always something new coming out there. Your condition might be changing, requiring a different, cane or a different AFO or whatever it might be and uh, you just do whatever it is you need to do to make things work for you. The possibilities are endless. You can get everything you need if you just look for it and adapt it to what you need or the conditions you're in.
2: I feel kind of lucky because Steve is pretty handy and so he was noticing that Mm -hmm. on my scooter if i want sometimes if i take the scooter i still want to use my cane and walk once i get to wherever i'm going and he noticed that i had trouble with a there was a cane holder on the back of the scooter that that was made for that scooter but it was behind me and so i would get off of the scooter and it wouldn't be right there where i needed it so he made me a little cane holder to put on the basket that is on the on the front of the scooter but it made a world of difference because what what did you see that made you think that i needed that
3: well when you stepped off the scooter and stood up you were not stable and then to turn to your left or right to retrieve the cane from the back of the scooter you weren't stable the risk of falling increased so i got to thinking about that adaptation that i could make for the scooter and we put a cane holder on the front basket and it's right there handy
2: but that's what it's nice about him. He's always thinking about a way to make my life easier. But I think what you, what the two of you illustrate so well is this
1: willingness to use adaptive equipment, knowing that it's the key or the gateway to you doing things that you want to do. You guys give some beautiful examples of that. So I think that's really awesome. Thanks. So let's touch on a little bit more when you do find yourself unmotivated or unable to exercise, if it's time or if it's symptoms or... Or just maybe you're just getting simply in a rut how do you get through that steve why don't you start by telling us how you work through those ruts
3: again i'm fortunate that uh, she has a plan and a schedule Mm -hmm. that helps her manage her day and i can just lock into that and again like i said she goes to the gym i go to the y and swim do i always want to go no when it's especially when it's cold out and there's six inches of snow on the ground but I force myself through, talk myself into, I need to do this. It's good for me. It's good for her. So the big thing for me is just, again, I said it earlier, taking that first step. What is that old saying? uh, The longest journey begins with a single step. And that's what it is for me. Just you're going to do it. Go do it.
1: So Myra, what about you when you're feeling unmotivated or unable to exercise because of symptoms? Kind of explain
2: to us how you
1: work through that. How do you get past that kind of rut or that obstacle?
2: Well, I said before that, you know, I, I, I realize what I feel like if I don't go. And so that helps a lot. But I have to be honest with you. There are times, uh, especially after I've been away from it for a little bit, like yeah, I broke my arm. And so then I, it, it was a long process to get back into it. I broke my ankle. That was also a long process to get back into it. You have to just take it slow. And so if you say, OK, well, I think I'll just go once a week or I'm going to go twice a week and then you can bump it up if you if you can. I try to go three. So I think that just remembering to take it slowly and do what you can do. Be happy with whatever it is you do. If Even if it's well, Steve and I were talking about this last night that on the days that I don't go work out, I need to try to go up and down steps more because it is still quite difficult. And so. That would be a great exercise for me to just do that a couple of times a day on the days that I don't work out so it doesn't have to be a huge thing but keeping your body moving in some way is is probably it it makes you feel better and so that's a motivator in itself
1: so you two have clearly prioritized diet and exercise over the years it it sounds like it's been a work in progress though right so how or where from whom did you learn how to make these things a priority in your lives i
2: know it wasn't easy well for me my my parents were fairly young and so they were very active they loved boating and golfing and all sorts of things and so i was always looking at parents that had a healthy lifestyle and my mother was a great cook she always made balanced meals and so i think that because i grew up that way that's kind of the way we ended up having our marriage and our our, uh, relationship with our daughter that way. Steve, do you have any comments?
3: Your support team can be a a contributing factor to it. Uh, Be it a PT, uh, your doctors, nurses, other care providers can provide you guidance on what to do or what you might think about doing and get involved with that. Uh, Again, setting a goal for yourself and, you might not always achieve what that goal is you set, but understand and accept that you did something, you tried something, and you made a difference in your life, and hopefully that difference will help support somebody uh, that you're helping take care of.
2: and I have to reiterate the healthcare team, too, because once you find somebody that you trust and that is making you feel better, then that also helps you keep moving and keep doing what you should do. But be it a, a nutritionist or or your neurologist or anybody like that um, that maybe specializes in MS in particular, that will help solidify what you're trying to do. So that's great.
1: Find find members of your healthcare team who can help serve as that nudge, if you will, to keep you on target. Yes. But then also, it sounds like continuing to support each other Yes, can help. Mm-hmm. So you've offered lots of tidbits of wisdom during our conversation, but if you were to look back and say, what do I wish I knew 30 years ago that I know now, what would you say? What have you learned about diet and exercise that you wish you would have known?
3: Well, uh, for me, a person 30 years younger would have said uh, you need to do a better job of taking care of the physical being uh, that you're gonna live quite a long time, many years hopefully in retirement, uh, and that you know other people are gonna need your support to uh, live their lives. And I would have been more active in taking care of my physical body by exercising, by eating better, by doing more social things and being more active, rather than just focused on family and working. There's nothing wrong with being focused on working. But it should be a balance, but maybe second or third in the list of priorities, being more concerned about family and your well, personal well-being.
2: Myra, what about you? What do you wish you would have known? Well, not to hold myself up against other people. like Be comfortable with what you're doing and how you're living your life and not compare yourself to others, other people's standards, I think is what I would do. I would compare myself when I was younger to others that were maybe more successful athletically or even educationally or, you know, a lot of different things, you know. So just don't compare yourself. But just keep trying and try try things out. You know, if it's an exercise program or a diet program, try it. See if it works for you. If it does and you feel better, then keep doing it. It's good advice.
1: Any final thoughts, Myra and Steve?
3: Well, I would just add, you know, not to accept accept, uh, the status quo. Uh, What you're doing today might be working for you now, but maybe in a year, five years, 10 years down the road, uh, it's not working so well. So adjust, adapt and adjust to what the situation is at the time and uh, still push yourself.
2: Be flexible.
3: Yeah, be flexible, but push yourself uh, to try to do the best you can do. Be comfortable with what you're doing and do the best you can.
2: Great.
1: Well, thank you both Mm -hmm. for your time. Thank you, listeners, for joining us for this conversation with Myra and Steve. Have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you, Mandy, Steve, and Myra for the engaging discussion. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of the MS Path to Care Wellness Podcast series, a partnership with Candu MS and Santa Fe Genzyme. Be sure to check out the other episodes in the Path to Care series: Mood, Cognition, and Spirituality and Home, Work, and Relationships. For additional resources, please visit www.mspathtocare.com.